0: to say good morning or good afternoon, whatever it is out there to all our listeners out there on WBCQ. International Shore on 7490. Listening on radio station WBCQ up in Monticello, Maine. We're glad to have you. Don't know where you are in the world. Hey, send us an email. Let us know where you are. Uh, send an email to Tom at W5KUB.com. Tom at W5KUB.com. Let us know where you are and how you're here in the station. And uh, we'd just love to hear from you. Uh, Hey, enjoy the music. The uh, show will start in about 20 minutes. The show is about ham radio, shortwave radio. We'll be starting in about 20 minutes. So uh, uh, until then, uh, just enjoy the music and uh, stick around with us.
1: Sometimes
0: evening out there to everyone you're listening to and watching Amateur Radio Roundtable. This is a show about shortwave, about ham radio, and uh, we're glad you're with us tonight. Let me first say hello to all our guests listening out there on International Shortwave on world famous station WBCQ up in Monticello, Maine on 7490 kilohertz. We welcome you We're glad you're out there listening on shortwave. Many of us got our start many, many years ago just listening to shortwave, and that's how we got into ham radio, so we're so glad to have you. If you will, send us an email, let us know where you are in the world, and tell us how you're hearing the station. You can send that email to tom at w5kub.com, and we'll be glad to hear from you, and we'll, uh, we'll answer your email and say hi back to you there. And hey, if you want to, you can join our show live on Tuesday nights uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time. That would be now 0200 UTC on Wednesdays. Uh, if you just go to w5kub.com, you can watch the show, you can uh, get in the chat room, you can chat with us. So again, welcome to um, uh, all of our uh, listeners out there. Uh, and uh Let me just mention uh, our podcast. We're carried on nearly every podcast carrier out there from iTunes to Google Play to uh, iNet Radio. What? I got an error. Okay. Anyway, uh, hey, hey, join our Facebook group, if you will. Uh, We've got a great Facebook group that follows the show. And the thing here is just all about ham radio. And uh, that Facebook group is called W5KUB. It's actually called Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's way too much to type in. So you'll just type in W5KUB. You can find it. We'd love to have you join. We've got about 12,000, 13,000 members now. YouTube changed the thing around, and we don't really know how many members we got now. I mean, I see 20 people uh, every day joining. We're, it, it's, it's saying we're just about 100 below 13,000, I think. I see 20 people a day joining, but the number never goes up on the uh, on the uh, count here. So I don't know what's going on. But, uh, hey, please join us. Uh, and, uh, hey, uh, if you will, subscribe to our channel, uh, our YouTube channel there. It is called, well, you know what it's called. You're on it right there. In fact, I'm helping you out. You'll just click that subscribe button. It's down there somewhere that will really help us out to uh, uh, promote the show. So we uh, really appreciate it if you do that for us. All right, let's see. Oh, man, oh, man. Hey, first things first, guys. I'm going to be with a man. Look at this. Look at this. You believe this? You believe this? Let's see. Where's Memphis? Memphis is right about, I don't know. Help me, Glenn. Where's Memphis? Down, down, right there. Remember, Here we are. We're right about right here, and you guys can see what's going on here right now. It's a storm kind of moving this way, so I don't know, you know. The lights may flicker a little bit, but hey, guess what? We are on a big generator. It will come on automatically. And uh, it will come on automatically. And it should keep the show going. Uh, So, you know, the entire house, everything runs on uh, the generator. But, of course, we could lose the Internet if they lose power down the road somewhere. You know, I'm not going to supply them power, you know a half a mile down the road. Uh, I do help my yeah. neighbor out next door when we uh, have a power outage. He uh, brings an extension cord over and plugs it into the house here, and that gets all of his uh, essentials running there. We just oh, yeah, it. you
2: won't even bring that extension cord over to my house or my power goes yeah, out. Yeah, well, it'll
0: take a long extension cord, and you know, if you know anything about electronics, there's going to be a, a heavy voltage drop between here and there.
2: Oh, probably. Well, then you got to cross the state line too. Although,
0: although, since it is AC, since it is AC, we can use some step up, step down transformers on the way. See, right? I could, I could jack that thing up to about eight thousand, maybe twelve thousand volts. I could probably get it down close to you.
2: Yeah, probably. But then you got to cross the state line, and you've got
0: to make the phase go back ten years. Well, that's true. That's true. So anyway, we just. You work for the power company down uh, uh, here, anyway. So yeah, I, I don't control know what your you're power. I don't know what you're worried about. You 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 work for the power company. All you
3: need, all you need, Tom, is a gigantic Tesla tower and Tesla tower, and just
0: just send that send that uh, uh, voltage down to him, right? Well, hey, I've got a I've got a forty meter extended double zip up here. I guess I could.
3: Pump, yeah, pump Tesla to could there, light huh? light bulbs. Uh, 20 miles away.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, hey, Bill, uh, uh, are you uh, are, are you aware of this right here? Let's see. Are, are
3: you, oh, yeah. Are you aware? Yeah, we're waiting
0: for it. You're waiting for it to get down here? You, you're probably a couple hours behind us, maybe. It's just, it's just supposed to it's get supposed here at 8 o'clock tonight.
3: Supposed to hit here about 3 in the morning oh, and yeah. uh, rain about 5 inches and create uh, a lake because yep. uh, we've had rain the last two weeks, so it has nowhere to go.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I was going to get some. I've got so many, b- people know I have so many big trees. Even though a number of my big 100-foot trees have fallen on the house over the last couple of years, I still have a lot of big trees. And I tell you, boy, I, ha- I have leaves, but I've got one of those uh, cyclone vacuum, cyclone rakes, you know, that... You pull behind your tractor and it, it it just sucks them all up, man. It'll suck the dirt up if the ground's dry. And uh, I thought I had just about all my leaves up, boy. It's looking good. Just in the back, there were some big trees that hadn't fallen yet. And uh, we went to uh, we went to New Orleans. I was in New Orleans uh, Thursday and Friday uh, for a college graduation down there. And man, when I came back, I looked at that backyard. I've never seen so many leaves on the ground in all my life, man. It is, it, it, it looks like a sea back here, and uh, so I'm kind of waiting for them to dry out. It looks like it's going to rain tonight, so, you know, I'm, i I hey, got
3: If you get some high winds in that, it'll probably blow the leaves over here. Yeah, yeah. it might. It might. So I'll be See, getting I just those go oils.
2: out in the backyard I, with a blowtorch and yeah. burn them in place, and the ones on the trees refuse to fall after that.
0: Well, man, I'll tell you... Uh, the only other thing I hate about it is I got some gumball trees back here. I hate gumballs. Oh man. man, those things are a mess. I hate them, man.
3: And you I know call you them mean? the Corona coronavirus trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they look the gumballs, sweet gumballs, look just like coronavirus. You get Whatever those, you, you get do, those gumballs, and they over do as much up. damage as hey. you step on them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, I get all those gumballs up, and I think, okay, this, you know, hey, man, we're looking really good, you know. And, boy, next morning I look, and there's double the gumballs out there on the ground. I don't know where they're coming from. I think my neighbors maybe throwing some
3: over. If I can find it in the garage, I have the ultimate, uh, the ultimate tool for that, and it's a sweet gumball collector. It looks like a bingo cage. Yeah. And you just roll that over them, and they collect them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I got it at Lowe's, but it's really phenomenal. It makes all the difference.
0: Man, well, anyway, hey, Bill, welcome here. with Bill, tonight we got you. We got Glenn with us. Uh, uh, Alan, man, since COVID kind of cleared up, Alan's Alan's been out working. He travels a lot. Uh, we are going to have a video from Alan tonight. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some scope. Probes and you know I've used scopes a lot on and off you know during my many years you know in, in electronics and uh, it was still very interesting. I've looked at this and it's very interesting to see how these these uh, probes are built where you can compensate them for you know the low frequencies, and high frequencies, and so forth. And you might actually learn something. It's 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 pretty neat, man. And and uh, I've got a um, hey I've got a I, I got a bunch of scope uh, leads here, Bill. I got a I got a bunch of 1s, and I got a bunch of 10s. I got a bunch of 1s and 10s. And um, you, you, I guess you got one of these with your uh, scope, didn't you? This is 100. This is a times 100. You you, you bought one of those scopes, didn't you?
3: Where, where'd Bill go? Yeah, yes, yeah. I certainly did. Yeah. Oh, oh. You need scope? to get a commission for everything you show on the show that I buy. That's
0: true. That's true. I need to. I don't know something something looks a little funny with this and this end here looks like it's going to come loose. That, that's, just, that's just a leaf, I guess. Anyway, I haven't played with it yet, but it's a hundred. It's a hundred to one scope probe. So this is gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting playing with this. Yes, that's for the higher voltage scenarios. Well you know, hey, higher voltage, but you know, I, I, I didn't really realize this until I I I, I looked at some of uh, Alan's videos uh the bandwidth on these on on a times once on a time one, on the time one probe is not very much. You may have a hundred meg bandwidth scope, but a time one probe may only give you two or three megs
3: of bandwidth uh we, I, we had uh FET probes that cost five or six hundred dollars for the probe that worked, but the yeah. nice thing about it is it was such high impedance that it didn't uh load down the circuit at all,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, that's what the times tend but they're to they're expensive. Yeah, yeah, I I I've looked at some some there. so we're gonna be talking about that in a little while. I, I think it's a neat video, and 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 he he's very good about talking about uh, about uh, how to compensate the uh, probes and uh, why you want to and which ones to use and so forth. You know, I was gonna talk a little about homebrew tonight on a couple things, and uh, man, I had a I had a I had a project I was gonna show you guys tonight. It was a homebrew microphone built out of a shower head. It looked cool, man. How many ham let me see how many people in the chat room have a microphone built out of a shower head? Probably nobody. So if you want to be different from all the other hams out there, I'll try to find it. Now I did pull up one thing on the internet when I was looking for it tonight, but it's it's the opposite. It's a shower head that is built like a microphone. So let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it here. Let's see. There he is right there. Hey, and hey, this might make a good Christmas present for somebody right there. It's a deco style, uh deco style uh a shower head, but it's made like a microphone. Okay, so guys, you can get that for ten dollars and eighty-five cents right there. So, you know, you might want to you might want to get that uh, for you, or maybe maybe if your spouse is watching, uh, maybe maybe that might be a present they can get you. Anyway, so I, I didn't find the sh- I didn't find the microphone built out of a shower head, but you know that's that's uh, pretty neat. And uh, uh let me try to make one for the show. We try to make you know different different things here, but uh, let's see, uh, Glenn yes sir what are you doing down here i know you're working on books are you are you you making any progress
2: yes um everything is done on it all of the projects have been built coded documented the whole nine yards everything's organized and uh, i've got the table of contents put together and all of the front part of the book is done and i'm still on track to finish it right around christmas time but it's taking up every minute I got.
0: All right. So now when you finish that, are you gonna have some free time after that? Define free time. Well, you know, time to play with your ninety seven hundred and take it out of the box and you know, kind of thing.
2: Probably just enough because I have to turn around and I've got another book that's due for another publisher and that one's due in September. So I have a little bit of Oh man playing around time into the schedule, but well, you know, gotta got another
0: one coming right up well you're 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 no fun anymore all all work man i don't know uh, what you call building all these fun things work
2: well i don't know man. i mean the, i think one of my favorite projects that i built here recently has been that riddy decoder i yeah. can just hook it up to the radio and it'll read the riddy for me without that big clunking motor and relays and all of that
0: why don't you hey i just a suggestion if you Have a little extra space in your book you need to fill. Why don't you put in there a shower microphone? You know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, but it's not going to be Arduino-powered. Well, well, I don't know. We'll have to come up with another book for that one. Yeah, okay.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah. Well, hey, guys. uh, Let us know. I'd like to do a show next week, maybe, and talk about weird ham radio things. If it's weird, I want to. I want to. I want to see a picture of it, and uh, you know, uh, things like showerhead microphones and stuff like that. You know,
2: well, you know what I want is one of those chips that can give you that same smell of the Model Fifteen teletype while it's printing. Oh, you know man. that that really nice oil smell that it would
0: would do. Yeah, I can uh, still smell that today, man. I think yeah. the oil's still in my in my skin. You know. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about teletype today. I don't know. You know, technology has moved along so rapidly. I mean, back when we were playing with the Model 28s, Model 19s and 14s, did we ever imagine that you'd have a a flat panel monitor up there copying RTTY probably. Not. No. Know. you know,
2: completely software driven for yeah. sending and receiving. No.
0: Yeah, it was all it was all mechanical back then. I mean,
2: it, I remember it, winding them 88-millihenry toroids forever for the terminal units.
0: You know, I, I, and, and I've, I've thought about that this week. You take that little round 88-millihenry toroid and get your capacitor there and your scope and your audio generator, and you just start taking turns off until, you know, you get you get that sucker right where you want it, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, it really was. Hadn't, hadn't done any of that in a long time, and now... Oh man, now, now I've got this uh, spectrum analyzer with tracking generator and all that. I just hook it on there, man, and it shows a dip and everything. And oh, exactly, it, it is. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's
2: kind of taking the fun out of it,
0: though. Yeah. So speaking of the spectrum generator, let me show you uh, real quick which one I got there. And and I think Bill order, Bill orders everything I order. I don't know. I'm have, Bill. I ordered Tesla. The, the the high dollar Tesla yesterday uh, if you if you want to go ahead and place your order right ahead. but uh,
3: so uh, an actual card
0: <laughs> yeah so uh so here's the scope this is an automatic scope I mean, you don't have to fool with turning all the knobs like you do on the old, old analog scopes and you just hit a button that says auto on it and it'll it'll tune the knobs basically for you man it just comes right in so anyway I bought I bought one of these and and uh, uh, I, I played with it a little bit but you know I still like the old stuff kind of the yes. old things and look so I, I went out I went out just a week later and I ordered me the, I ordered me a, a Tectonics there you scope go. right there so you know that's not a, a, a large tectonics that's a 2235 I think dual channel 100 meg and uh, I've been comparing it with the with the new modern scope. And they're pretty close, actually, you know. I I wasn't too sure how accurate that cheap autoscope was, but it's pretty close, I think. So, anyway, uh, I got that in. That's going to be my Christmas present, I guess. I just, I buy this kind of stuff all the time, so I have Christmas all the time.
3: I used to have one just like that one. That's a beautiful scope.
0: Yeah, this may be yours. (laughs) Uh, actually, I've got
2: a an older uh, 465 scope yeah. in my closet that I love to use. Yeah. And, you know, it gets nice and warm, and you can just smell the warmth coming out of that thing, and
0: it's just so fun to use.
3: I still have a 465, and yep. it still powers right up. That's a yes. very, that's
0: very uh, popular uh, uh, scope, the 465. Here's the spectrum analyzer that I bought and Bill ordered. And by the way, Bill, I ordered at Tesla yesterday, so you better get it in order. Uh, this is uh, this is the uh, Rigol uh, DSA eight fifteen spectrum analyzer with tracking generator in it, and it is so cool, man. You turn that tracking generator on, and you can put this, this thing across a filter or a coil or an LC circuit, and you can just watch watch that dip in it right there. I've been playing with it to make some uh, to filter out some like third harmonics uh, on our trackers. And, uh, in fact, uh, I may have a picture here. Maybe here's, a, here's, a little, here's some pictures uh, I was kind of playing with at the above there. You can see the second, what, the, the second, third harmonic are quite high there. And you can see in the next picture down, they're quite, uh, quite attenuated. And that was just with a little hand-wound uh, coil on a uh, drinking straw, a capacitor. And uh, that was actually, yeah I think the configuration here. That was actually, yeah, that circuit right there. And, uh, you know, uh, I've really enjoyed playing with it. Even though that that analyzer was a little expensive, uh, I'm really learning a lot and playing a lot with it and enjoy it. Okay. All right. So we're going to jump into a video in a minute uh, that, uh, that Alan made. Well, first, let's see, if there, let's see if Bill has any hot uh, pending news. Bill, anything going on there that you're just itching to tell us about?
3: Oh, yeah, just uh, getting ready for Christmas. Uh, just wondered what you have for your Christmas wish. I mean, you won that big radio at the Huntsville Ham Fest. So yeah. what can we get you for Christmas? And how about you, Glenn? What are you got on your Christmas list?
0: Ooh. You know, I'll let Tom go first. Well, Okay. You know, in in fact, this is the first year Kathy and I have decided not to get a present for each other. We're not doing it this year because because every month I do something like like this or this or this or I you know when maybe the ninety seven hundred there's no, you know for the grandkids I try to. You know they always want to buy you something, so you know I'll go down to Harbor Freight and take my pencil and paper, and you know I'll write, uh, you know, get me uh, uh, you know package of uh, you know uh, this or get me uh, get me this package of screwdrivers or this, uh, you know, some cheap stuff, and put that on my list, and that's what that's what the kids will get me. But we've decided not to get anything. Uh, but I would like to know, hey, when we come up near Christmas, probably right after Christmas. Uh, we, I'd like to hear from people out there, and we've got too many people that are mic-shy. I don't believe they should be mic-shy for ham radio operators. I want to hear from you what you got for Christmas. And, uh, and we'll even show some pictures. And uh, you know, like the old uh, talk about your shack pictures? Let's see, some, let's see you with your new Christmas presents, and we'll do that after Christmas. So, Glenn, what are you going to have?
2: Well, actually, I've been holding Christmas all year long about once a month I would buy me a new toy Uh, I bought the FT 101 uh, max um, the MP I bought the 9700 I bought the 3d printer and the CNC and laser cutter and I'm believe it or not most of those are still in the boxes so I think for Christmas I'm just gonna start opening boxes and put stuff where it needs to go and play with it for the whole
0: day. Well, that, that's good. You know, that's uh, that's what I you really did. can't.
2: Yeah, I'm doing the 12 months of Christmas. I really yeah. can't think of anything I really need for Christmas at this point. I bought it already.
0: All right. Well, hey,
3: I think we're we going to get good a, a great Christmas present uh, a while back. I actually got a Weller WX2 soldering iron. Oh, wow. thing costs about $800, Woo. but I use that just about every day. It is a wonderful, wonderful beast. And, you know, people think, well, soldering iron is just a soldering iron. Well, no. <laughs> if you're working on this uh, surface mount, I tiny found, stuff,
0: yeah.
3: I, you got to have an iron kind of like that with a very, very fine tip and... Uh, this one's great because I can change, just like a golfer changes his golf clubs for different things, Yeah. this one, the fast co- disconnect, it actually uses an audio plug on it for the power, and you just pull it off, put another one on, and yep. it's, uh, it's all cool to the touch when you do it. So I can instantly change the tips to anything I want, and uh, it is just a uh, wonderful, wonderful I, I can't speak more highly of that particular soldering iron.
0: You know, I can uh, I can change my tips, but they're hot. They, they gave me a little uh, thing to wrap around a tip to pull off. You know. But anyway, I don't have near the soldering station that you've got there. Uh, that that sounds really, really great. But you know, I I, I see on some of these these uh, ham radio groups where people are you know getting into hobby and saying, "Boy, I need to get me a good soldering station." What's a good one? And I've seen all these suggestions, you know, hey, uh, you know, uh, Kong He Fat Chubby model, uh, you know, you can get for thirty nine ninety five, and, you know, man, it's outstanding. But I don't think those guys really know the, well, how do I say this? It might work for them soldering a couple pieces of wire together, like you're saying, Bill, the surface amount of stuff is really a lot different. You know, hey, hey Bill, yeah. you, know, you, you know, hey,
3: uh, just, uh, go ahead. Just a quick story uh, uh, on soldering irons. I used to sell kits. And uh, one kit came back and the guy said, uh, your kit doesn't work. Can you fix it? I said, okay, send it back. There were holes completely through the circuit board. Holy cow. And I asked him, what kind of soldering iron are you using? He said, soldering iron, I'm using a soldering gun. Yeah. <laughs> it well. was a, a 250 watt Weller uh, solder gun <laughs> he was using to try and solder this stuff.
0: Yeah, Good well, for you it. know, and most it's... of most of my electronics life, I used a soldering gun, a Weller, you know, the the dual heat Weller gun. You know, growing up with my uncle in a TV shop and things like that, I mean, that's what we used. I built. Well, back then, you know, you take a one watt or a half watt resistor, soldering gun's fine for that kind of stuff, you know. The, you know, this, these chips and stuff didn't start coming out till later in life, you know, and...
3: Uh, it, actually, it actually burnt holes completely through the circuit board. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Bill, you know, I, uh, I, I, I when I was... Years ago, we built a microwave TV uh, receiver. It was uh, Golden West. Uh, Gina, it was a station that Gene Autry put on in Memphis. It was before cable came here, and it was... Um, it was a one-channel movie channel subscription, and it had a big, they had an antenna on top of the big, uh, the, the tall building near Memphis, and, uh, it was real simple to decode it with a coffee can and a little homemade dish and, uh, you know, a little variable, uh, voltage tuned oscillator, you know, to tune the picture in, and, uh, you know, it, it used some small things in it. I, I, I'm not sure now. I don't remember what parts were in it. It wasn't very many parts, but they were small. And I had this kid, this this ham friend, lived down the street, and he's kind of wild, but um, he had one of these sawing irons like you would solder gutters with. You know, it had the wooden handle on it and the, the, the big part around the metal there and the tip about the size of your thumb. And uh, That's what
3: they used for stained glass windows.
0: Yeah, yeah. So this is, this we're, we're starting at that point to get into microwave stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, it, I, I don't remember what it was. It was like one or two gig, but, you know. Anyway, anyway he used that soldering iron, and he could build those little receivers and it would work, and we were having trouble making it work. So, so I don't know, man. I think if you know what you're doing, and you got the wrong soldering iron, you can still... You can still be successful there. But. Oh, yeah.
3: You, know, you need a lot of heat,
2: once oh, yeah. lot, that's yeah. the one
3: time to get. That's
2: true. Well, you know, f- there's a couple stories here. For years, I've used the traditional soldering pencil without even variable temperature. Yeah. And uh, that, that's what I used. And then probably about 10, 15 years ago, I decided to invest in one of those cheap soldering stations with the, the hot air and everything. And let me tell you what. You can call them cheap, but for somebody coming up from where I came from, they're sweet. They're nice. They get the job done. you know. And, yeah, I'd love to have an $800 soldering station, but you know, in, until I can get Bill to buy me one for Christmas, I'm just going to keep going with what I got.
3: I well, had one yeah. guy send a kit back to me that didn't work. He said, I soldered it, and it doesn't work. And when I got it back, what he'd done is put the components in and put soldered paste on it, oh, and figured that's all he had to do. Oh,
0: well, I don't know if he used (laughs) a gun. Maybe he, hopefully, he didn't use acid core
3: solder. Yeah. Well, he he put the paste on it, but he didn't heat it. Oh yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, there's one thing about the guns, and that's my other Mm -hmm. story. Uh, I was almost this many years old when I realized that on the soldering gun, of course, there are two stops
0: yeah yep
2: and when for years i thought that when you squeeze that trigger tight that was max wattage no it's the first step that's max wattage the second step drops it to like 125 watts or something like that and for years i couldn't get the heat until i realized like oh back off a little bit and boom you know now i got the full and 250.
3: The the well,
0: exact same thing. Glenn. And I read about that. Thing, I, I read about that. We're gonna test that on a show one night, you know. I mean, hey, it would be easy it'd be easy going in and just switch the wires on that on that uh, uh finger switch, you know, and change it. But yeah, you know, so this is the this is the smaller, this is a this is a two two uh a two heat, you know, I mean it's so old now, but uh it, it I forget what it was. It's like hundred and forty and maybe what? One eighty or something—I don't know. You can hear the clicking. You can hear it. There's two positions on it for sure, and I always thought that the second position was the hottest too. But you're you're telling me what I read—that first position is the hottest, yeah. and the second position is cooler. Anyway, I've got the two, actually... I've got the Weller two hundred and fifty watt one out in my shop. It's just like this, but it's a little bit larger. And uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna plug it into a. a you know, a watt meter or something, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll disprove on a show one night that uh, yeah that the second position is low heat. Yeah, that's how I
2: proved mine is. I have this wall uh, AC watt meter and uh, plugged it in, and sure enough, the the first position pulled a lot more current than the second position.
3: Hey Tom, uh-huh. uh, WA7JOS mentioned he had a Metcal at work. Yeah. yeah, how did your Metcal work out for you? You bought one, didn't
0: you? Yeah, I my Metcal. I got my Metcal right here. It's uh, it seems to be pretty good. Uh, but um, I tell you, here's the uh, you know here's the iron itself, and it gets hot. You know, if you need to change the tips. It comes with the little thing here. Maybe he, he has the same thing. You wrap that around it, and you just you just slide the tip off like that. And you take the other tip and just slide it on like that, and you're ready to go. Now, Bill, I have found on some of my little circuit boards, that little fine tip there, I don't think it gets hot enough to, to really, some of the heavy ground traces is where I have a problem with this little small tip. Well, that's where you use the
2: soldering gun on the first knot.
0: Yeah, so I typically use the medium size. I typically kind of use this medium size tip. I don't know how many different tips are out there. I've got three different tips for it that I use that's getting me by. Um, I'm sure they have many, many different kind of tips, probably, you know, chisel tips and flat tips and scraper tips and bent tips, so... Maybe uh, if he has one in the chat room, he can tell me uh, if there's any special tip that he likes to use. I might need to order some.
2: Well, that is one thing I like about the HAKO style compatible soldering pencils is they've got a huge array of tips that you can order. Yeah.
3: I actually like the Heiko high, uh, or Heiko.
2: H-double-A-K-O, uh, however you want to pronounce it.
3: I, I love those uh, those little irons. Uh, we actually had one at work that we used for a lot of stuff. <coughs> They're a <had, Pedro coughs> really good, uh, does make a really good iron.
2: Actually. Yeah, that's what I've been using, and I really like them, and I generally have a spare iron and cable or two because my first one, I actually wore it out, and it stopped working. And uh, I was like, oh, dear God. I You know, fortunately, I had a spare. Or I would have had to completely shut down and wait for a new one to come in from China.
3: Well, they make a solder station that's digitally controlled, too. So That's what really- I'm using. Oh, good.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've got the digitally controlled solder station, which has got the, uh, the hot air and the, the soldering pencil. And they're both uh, separately temperature controlled. And the, the hot air has a, uh, uh, what do you want to call it, a speed control on the fan.
0: Yeah. Hey, I just saw this. On my workbench. I tore it out of a. I'm throwing away all my old CQ and QRZ mag uh, QST magazines. I've got like eight thousand of them. But uh, I I tear interesting things that i was just going to mention. You know, back I got my license in the early '60s. I want you to look at this. I don't know if you can see this, these are the sunspots. And man, it was it was some good times back then. There is. Uh, Right there is when I got my license. Right there, look at the. Sun. I was
3: just on the the other end of that curve.
0: Look at uh, look at look at the. Uh, and man. it
3: was phenomenal.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, it, I tell you, the bands were the bands were great back then, man. That, that I was, was
2: on the bottom end of that curve in 73, 74 yeah.
0: Man, that was the highest number of sunspots it looks like in history then.
2: Yeah, actually, I was out in California visiting my great-uncle on vacation with my parents back in, like, 68, and he was into CB. And he had one in his car, and with his little 5-watt CB, we worked across the country.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. We used to
3: work six-meter FM all over the country. Um, Just just like it was two meters. It was just incredible. Well, I... Um, And 10 meters was about as hot as you could imagine. Back then,
0: I was on on 6 meter AM back then. uh, Boy, it sounded good. and It was just common. It was common every day, just talk to people up in New York and around, you know, places like that.
2: It was kind of cool. I got on 6 meters probably about 10 years ago and just absolutely had a blast with it. And I really want to get that station back together.
3: Have you ever worked skip on 2 meters? Oh, um, yes. It's high enough for two meters. It just comes in. It sounds like 20-meter band, and you're talking to people a thousand miles away or more, and then it just goes whoosh. Yeah. And you can tell when it's coming back because it swishes up and down, mm-hmm. you know, you can hear that squishing no- noise. When the static increases, you know, it's open again.
2: Yeah. And in Florida, we also had a lot of temperature inversions. So we had a lot of ducting, and I remember working from Miami to West Palm, which is about 75 miles, uh, yeah. whenever I was driving back and forth doing that with 10 watts in the car.
3: well, from we, here, uh, we... Every summer, there's a duct from California to Hawaii, and uh, I've actually worked uh, two meters from my car to somebody in Hawaii. Oh, wow. 2,500 miles on two meter FM. During
0: that time... Here I am over in Arkansas, not too far from Memphis. Channel 2. Cuba on Channel 2 would come in on a TV. That was cool. man. Yeah, that was our our thing was
2: we'd watch Channel 2, and when it started getting a lot of interference, yeah. we knew the band was opening up.
3: Yep, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Or there's a tornado bearing down on you because it would also produce RF near... Uh, Fifty-five megahertz or so, and you can see the channel two just turn white. Yeah, then it's time to duck and cover.
2: Matter of fact, there's a company that is selling a tornado detector, and it does listen on the six-meter band, kind of like the uh, the lightning detector listening on the five hundred kilohertz band.
0: Yeah, I think
3: tornadoes are attracted to mobile homes because it's probably the length of a standard single wide is. A resonant frequency um, there you
2: 63. go well that and the target that you paint on the roof
0: yeah yeah
2: or your neighbor's roof
0: <laughs> mark says channel two and cuba's probably still there
2: yeah and still uh, in analog that's
0: probably a very interesting still uh, i would imagine they're still driving their 57 chevy down to the to, the, to been, work here
3: yeah when i was in college santa barbara i actually uh, saw channel one TV coming in from New Zealand on uh, 49 megahertz.
2: Oh, wow. Uh.
3: And you could actually, it was, I had a receiver that could handle PAL and CCAM and NTSC, and uh, I could watch, I was watching this TV station all the way from New Zealand. It was just pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, and now uh, Chris is saying that new cars are being shipped without an AM radio.
0: Oh, let me talk. I've got that on my list to talk about tonight. Uh, The car manufacturers are talking about discontinuing AM radios in their cars. Got that on my list, number one. Talk about. So you know, the FCC is. They're they're wanting the car manufacturers to continue with AM radio. You know, when FM came out, I kind of quit listening to AM. I, you know, I like the static-free, you know, better sounding music and stuff. But I think there are probably a lot of areas in the country that maybe they can't even pick up an FM station, and you know, they depend on AM. So, uh, well, that you know, most of the talk radios are there on AM as well. And you know, I I did not know this until I bought a car later. I don't know. I didn't know that there were AM stereo radio stations. I never really thought about it. I knew on FM it was all stereo, basically. But I, I bought a car, and the radio had an AM stereo in it. And I tuned down to one of those channels on AM one night, and I saw the stereo light come on. And I could hear it in the speakers. I'm thinking, my goodness, AM stereo station. I don't know how big those went over or how many there were, but there were some of them out there.
2: Yeah, there was a few, but there was competing technologies, as I recall, and by the time they settled on one, everybody had moved off to FM.
0: Yep. All right. Oh, right. Let's see. Um, Let's do this real quick. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back, and we uh, we're going to jump into some more stuff here real quick. So we'll be right back with everybody. Don't. Don't go away. Happy Holidays from ICOM. Spice up your ham shack this season with one of ICOM's popular handhelds, mobiles, or base stations. These radios are perfect for working your favorite bands while staying inside or venturing outside this winter. It's the most wonderful time of the year to give the gift of ICOM. The IC705 is a perfect sidekick, QRP companion, base station features, and functionality that tip your fingers in a portable package. Covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters, compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF bands and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the optional backpack, the LC192, a special compartment for your IC706 and room for all the accessories. The ID52A is a VHF-UHF dual bander with DSTAR and FM dual-mode function, and it's the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display. This radio supports conventional FM communications and DSTAR simplex for Peter, regional, and worldwide calls over the DSTAR Internet Gateway. You can send photos over DSTAR with a connected Android device. The ID52A is a perfect companion to the IC705, both use compatible batteries and headsets, and you can also use the same Android app for DSTAR operation. To create your own band openings with the IC9700. This transceiver radio brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. They include faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and cleaner signal. The IC7300 is a high-performance HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed expectations. The transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Happy Holidays from ICOM America. For more information, visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateurs. All right. I just wonder, Bill and Glenn and I were all yelling at each other here during the during that video. Did, did anybody hear us talking? I'm just wondering if we overpowered. We're on we're a separate audio channel. Now, there's no way you could hurt me. me, the way, the, way uh, the encoder set up, because the mic wasn't even connected, so. I won't ask that question. OK. Hey. Wow. Oh. We've talked about a shortwave tonight. Man, I that's but Hey, it brings back the olden days, man. I, I used to like to listen to Radio in Moscow and Havana, Cuba. Uh, what is it? Lima, Peru. HCJB, I think. Was that in Lima? I got... If I can remember that right.
2: Yeah, we were always getting the Cuban radio stations in Miami.
0: Yeah you know sure listen it got me in trouble in the air force so i you know i had a i had a top secret crypto uh security clearance and uh man one time they pulled my clearance and uh i said you've been uh talking to or listening to moscow and havana no well i mean listen to them so they ran another security check you know talked to all my neighbors oh yeah he, he's got a piece of wire up out there. He, he listened to them. So, anyway, so I give you my clearance back after about two weeks. But it can't get you in trouble, guys. Be careful there.
3: Yeah, I used to listen to HCJB. I've yeah. got a card from them, and they used to play a catchy uh, little tune over and over while you were waiting to, for the next broadcast from them. Yeah, They had a lot of dead airtime on the uh, shoreway stations, so they always had this catchy tune and there's a South African station that had a really cool uh, really cool uh, sound to it.
0: Yeah. Hey.
3: I recorded some of
0: those. Hey guys. Uh, here's our job board right here. We got, I got a job for you. WWVH in Hawaii needs an engineer. They're looking for an engineer. So, if You'd like to live in Hawaii. This is not a work from home job but if you'd like to live in Hawaii, uh, you can apply to WWVH, and uh, you can uh, move down to Hawaii. And hopefully, you'll be uh, far enough away from that volcano that the lava won't get you down there. Oh, hey, back to the back to the AM radios. I think one reason that one reason that the car manufacturers are wanting to stop it—they're going with all these electric cars now—and that generates noise. And, you know, it causes problems. But the FCC has a, it has sent a letter to 20 different car companies wanting to find out what they're going to do. The FCC is really wanting them to continue with AM radio. All right. Hey, let's look at this quick video. And uh, we're going to look at this. This is uh, Alan. Uh, Alan did this. It's on uh, scope probes. On scope probes. And, uh, You might learn something. I actually, uh, you know, I actually uh, enjoyed watching it myself. So let me get it going here, and uh, we'll talk about it after it's over with. So let me see if I can figure out how to get it on here. And, uh, okay. All right. Might work. Here we go.
4: of uh, probes and how to use different types of probes, primarily simple passive probes with your oscilloscope and why you need to use them. So we got to think about, if we're going to connect up our scope to our circuit, how do we do that? Well, so You might just say, well, why don't I just use a simple set of probes like I use with my voltmeter, right? I can uh, kind of put them together in this little adapter here, stick it on the front end of the scope. So let's do that. Let's look at what happens. So you can see the scope trace is kind of all full of noise. It's picking up all the 60-cycle hum from... Uh, uh, from my, my my lab bench here, and all the lights and things like that, and the ballast and the fluorescence, and all kinds of nasty noise. And that's the problem. If you're trying to look at low-level signals and things like that, connecting up with leads like this is going to present a number of different types of problems. And let's look at why. So it uh, helps to start off by looking at what the scope input looks like. That's kind of what the oscilloscope input looks like. It's uh, basically, almost mo- most of the scopes will have a 1 megaohm input impedance, so basically right behind the front panel connector it looks like a 1 megaohm resistor to ground. And that's typically got, in parallel with it, anywhere from 10 to 25 or 30 picofarads of capacitance, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Okay, so it's a pretty high impedance, just like your, your voltmeter is, but it also has a lot more bandwidth than your voltmeter, so it's going to pick up all kinds of things. So if we just connect up the wires like we just did, this is what, this is what happened here. We connected up these wires they basically look like big antennas okay and uh, so even if we connect it up to a circuit the circuits not low impedance you're still gonna be injecting noise into your circuit and you're also gonna be injecting noise into your measurement okay so it works you know as as long as your signals are really low frequency okay or you've got some really large signals you're dealing with otherwise you're adding a lot of inductance into the, the measurement path you're picking up all kinds of stuff with these wires and they're acting like antennas and you might even couple some signals to other parts of your circuit, all things that are not really good. So typically why we don't use wires. So another way around that is, well, let's make these wires shielded, use a piece of coax. And if we do that, so now we can wind up with this situation here, and this actually solves some problems. Okay? Because now that the, the signal wire is shielded by ground, we're not going to be picking up a lot, of, a lot of signals, so that's good. We're going to minimize coupling to other parts of the circuit, so, so that's good. Okay. But what's bad about this? Well, it adds a lot of capacitive loading. Uh, The way to think about this is that uh, typical coax, the miniature coax you might use, like RG174 or something like that, may have, you know, 25 or 30 picofarads of capacitance per foot. And if you're talking two or three feet of cable, you know, of coax to connect to your circuit, that coupled with the, you know, 10, 20 picofarads of capacitance at the, uh, the input, you could easily add 100 picofarads of capacitance your circuit by simply connecting the probe now will your circuit care depends on your circuit right sometimes it will you have to remember that 100 picofarads that uh looks like 50 ohms at 30 megahertz that's a far cry from the original one mega ohm input impedance that we were dealing with to begin with so but this is a basic 1x probe design and they're they're out there and you just got to be careful when you can use them and when you can't you know just take care you know and understand the ramifications of touching this probe to your circuit and how it will affect it Think about uh, what I want to solder in, 100 or 120 picofarads of capacitance to my circuit at the point I'm trying to measure, okay, and expect the circuit to still work. A lot of circuits, you know, will work just fine. Audio circuits, low-frequency things, lower impedance circuits, and generally might be okay. But uh, for a large majority of circuits, uh, the amount of loading from a 1X probe is not going to be good. The capacitive loading could really affect the circuit operation. So how do we isolate the capacitive loading of this type of a probe, a 1X probe, from the circuit. Well, One way to do that is to stick a big resistor in series with that. So we stick a 9 mega ohm resistor in series with the coax. What that's going to do is now all the capacitance that's sitting back here is really kind of isolated away from the circuit we're testing over here by this 9 mega ohm resistor. So your circuit really doesn't see it. So that's good. Okay. Now the resistor, we chose 9 mega ohms because it gives us a nice convenient 9 mega ohm to 1 mega ohm. Resistor divider here, so it's a 10x resistor divider. Hence, so that's the reason why we call this a 10x probe. It doesn't have 10x worth of gain, it has 10x worth of attenuation. So it'll, it'll attenuate the circuit, but it'll or attenuate the signal by a factor of 10. But uh, that's pretty easily compensated for. Um, but uh, it also uh, it also reduces the capacitive loading, so that's good. Now the problem that you can run into though is that the 9 megohm resistor, okay. And the capacitance of the coax and the scope form an RC low-pass filter that looks like this. Okay. And what happens is as the frequency goes up of what we're looking at here, the uh, capacitive reactance here starts going down, and all of a sudden this you know, the 10x resi- uh, divide ratio that we had because of this resistor starts getting dominated by the capacitive reactance of that capacitor. And uh, we start rolling the signal off. That's a low-pass filter. So, so now as the frequency increases you know, our 10x attenuation got worse and worse and worse. So, it didn't really help us that much, but there's actually, it turns out, a pretty simple fix for this, and this is what's typically done with 10x probes. So, if we look over here to the last page here, what we do is add a compensation capacitor in parallel with that 9 megohm resistor. And uh, the the idea there now is that for low frequencies, the 10x attenuation is dominated by the 9 megohm and 1 megohm resistor, Okay, so that kind of dominates our 10x attenuation. But now as the frequencies go up, okay, the capacitive reactance of the uh, scope input and the probe uh, cable uh, is going to start dominating the input impedance of the scope, and then what we do is we add a compensation capacitor here, which kind of will now track that. So now at higher frequencies, if we make the ratio of this capacitance to this one 10x, okay, now that Capacitive voltage divider is going to dominate the attenuation at high frequencies. So now, between low frequencies and high frequencies, we've got still ten x attenuation. Okay. Of course, the input impedance at high frequencies is going down because this looks like this series combination of capacitors. But at the end of the day, the probe is still flat in frequency response generally. Okay. So um, so we can basically can account for that, and this is basically the design of uh, commercial ten x probes. Now they're called 10X probes because they attenuate by a factor of 10. So that's something that's important. You've got to think about that, is that uh, when you connect this probe up to your scope, you've got to remember that the probe is actually attenuating the signal by a factor of 10. Uh, Some scopes and probes help you out with that and actually remind you that that's what it's doing, but most of them don't, especially the lower-cost ones. So we connect up our, look at our, some typical 10X probes here. Let's go take a look at some of these. I'm going to clear out these other probes, CMM probes, out of the way here and let's look at one. Here's, here's a 10x probe, this is a Tektronix uh, P6105. Okay, it's a 100 megahertz 10x probe two meters long. I'll uh, take a look at this is the part that would connect up to the scope this is the part that would connect up to your circuit. There's your ground lead right there uh, a lot of these have got removable spring clip tips so you can be prob- probing around with the, the tip here or you can connect this up and you get a nice uh, retractable clip so you can clip this thing into your circuit Okay, number of different variations on this, on this set of combinations, but this is typically of what typical of what you'd find. Now, either on the probe handle itself, like this, or on the, the compensation box or probe body here, you'll find the compensation adjustment. If we look in this one here, we can actually see there's a little screw the trimmer cap to set up the compensation for that probe. Here's another example of one here. This is also a Tektronix. This is a P60, uh, P2220. There's our, our compensation adjustment right there. Okay, and uh, there's our ground lead and our probe to be able to connect up. and We'll look at a couple of other examples, too. But one thing I wanted to point out that's different between these two, if you look carefully at the end of these, I don't know if you can see in the camera or not, but there's a little metal pin sticking out of this one. There's not sticking out of this one here. There's a little metal pin sticking out of the the end of the connector here. What that is, it's something that Tektronix called the Tech Probe interface. And for scopes that were so equipped, when you connected this uh, probe up to the scope, the scope had a little sensing ring. In fact, we can look at that over on this scope over here. There's a little sensing ring right around the BNC connector here. And that BNC connector, when that little pin connects to that, that would tell the scope that this is a 10X probe that's being attached. And would adjust the scale appropriately. Okay. Most scopes, especially non-tectronic scope, don't have that little sensing ring around the BNC connectors, where you connect the scope up. So uh, when it comes to, you know, making sure that, okay, is my scale correct for the 10X probe, you've got to worry about that yourself. So even if the the scope, you know, channel says 50 millivolts per division like it does here, when I connect up a 10X probe, that is now uh, 500 millivolts per division, okay? It doesn't tell you that, but you've got to think about that. This probe actually has a switch on it, okay? To go from 1x mode, which is just a basically a cable connection you know, or coaxial connection right to the probe tip, that's going to have you know 100 picofarad capacitance or more, but it doesn't have the attenuation. And there's a 10x mode to do what we've been talking about. So now the trick is, how do we adjust that compensation capacitor, okay, to um, and make sure that we match the input capacitance of the scope, So some of them are quite different. This scope here, that input capacitance. It might be hard to see it says uh, 25 picofarads this scope over here that one says uh, 1 mega ohm and 15 picofarads that's quite a difference and uh, they certainly a scope that's matched to this scope here wouldn't necessarily match to other scope over here on the right so that's why that compensation capacitor is made adjustable so, so how do we adjust that uh, basically we use a little test signal or calibrator signal a compensation signal and it's typically a square wave the square waves are nice because you can have a fairly low-frequency square wave that has very fast rising and falling edges. And what that gives you is a waveform that has a lot of low-frequency components and high-frequency components. Because basically a square wave is fundamental, you know, frequency of the square wave is energy. But then you've also got energy at all the odd harmonics, at uh, three times that frequency and five times and seven times, etc. The the more high-order harmonics that you have, the faster the rising and falling edges so it's a nice waveform that has both, you know, fast or I should say high frequency energy and low frequency energy in it at the same time. And the way to adjust these probes is actually quite simple. Let's kind of look at the example over here on this scope. Okay, So in this scope here I've got, uh, this is a P6131 uh, 10X probe connected up to channel one. And on this scope over here is our calibrator signal. Okay, And if I've got the ground lead already connected, if we connect up the scope to it uh, probe to it we can take a look here at the uh, on the waveform and this one is that pretty well compensated now you may notice when you get a 10x probe they'll always come with when they're new a little uh, diddle stick a little screwdriver this one actually still says Tektronix on it but it's just basically it's a little uh, non-metallic screwdriver to adjust the compensation uh, capacitor inside the probe like I said sometimes those compensation adjustments will be on the probe body and sometimes they'll be right on the compensate on the, the probe box that connects up to the scope. And uh, this is the waveform that we're looking at here. Is typically what you'd ideally want to see, in that uh, it looks like a perfect square wave. And here's what it looks like if you have it misadjusted. If so I can engage the uh, screwdriver screw in here, there we go. And you can see if I, if I make that capacitor too big, okay, we're going to couple more high frequency energy in, and we're, and the We're going to get this overshoot on the rising and falling edges of the square wave. And if we adjust it the other way, where that that capacitor is too small, now we're low pass filtering uh, that square wave and we get this kind of rolled off response there. So the idea is to adjust this thing, if we kind of go back and forth, we can adjust that until we get a really nice looking square wave. And what we've done now is made sure that the low frequency response is which is kind of set up by the resistor, is now matched by the high-frequency response uh, set up by the capacitive voltage divider of the 9 mega ohm resistor and the parallel capacitance, and then the cable and input scope capacitance. And now this probe will be good for looking at both high frequencies and low frequencies. But, um, but notice, again, this probe, if we look at the scope, you might see that the scale on the scope says 100 millivolts of division. If I remove this scope, this probe, see that that drops to 10 millivolts a division. This scope, this uh, probe has got that little metal pin, and uh, this scope is automatically sensing that. Uh, there are other scopes that sometimes will actually have a little light that will tell you whether you've uh, you've got 1X or a 10X uh, attenuation you know, on some of the Tektronix pro- uh, scopes, but uh, the non- non-Tektronix scopes typically don't have that sensing ring, or at least most of them don't. So if you put a 10X probe on there, you know you've got to multiply your uh, volts per division setting by a factor of 10 when you're using the 10x probe in order to make a calibrated uh, amplitude rating. So that's a quick tutorial on what 10x probes are and how to adjust them. Make sure that they're calibrated for anytime you change a scope and you can use the same probe on a new scope. Readjust that for that new scope because no two scopes really match in terms of their input impedance and a properly adjusted probe on one scope won't necessarily be properly adjusted for another scope.
0: Right. Well, hey, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting, to tell you the truth.
4: I got to yeah, see Yeah, that it. is pretty
0: cool. See, I've always wondered Sunday. how
4: that did. Yeah, this video was in response to a Uh-oh. question that one of my YouTube viewers had. Well, stopping. stop him.
0: Be quiet. There you go. All right, we're back. All right, well, let's do this. Hey, I'm going to put the uh, Zoom link out there. Anybody wants to join us on Zoom? So let me paste it, and if you want to, guys... Click on that link. You can join us on Zoom right there. Let me start the phone lines up. I'll even bring the phone lines up tonight in case you uh, don't want to use Zoom and you want to just call in on a telephone. You can just call in on a telephone. I'll po- post the number there in just a moment on the screen. There go. We'll have that going and uh, let's see if we can get some. Uh, precipitation going tonight well, I think be? it's going there but it's Charlie. outside that's Charlie yeah so um, we need to get that let's see gone all right I think the phone is set up now well, there's Charlie yeah, Charlie's in there. Hello, Charlie. How you doing? Hello. How are you? We're doing good.
5: What? You are the only participant in the conference.
0: I'm the only person. There you go. <laughs> Tim, Tim joined us. All right. I'll have to, I'm going to turn the music down. I'll have to try to watch the uh, the phone system there. All right. Okay. Well, hey, guys. I guess we are officially into the after-the-show show. I Sometimes I forget to put that up, but, you know, we're in the after-the-show show. We've got about 30 more minutes we're going to be around, so if you're out there and you want to call in on a telephone, dial that number right there. Or you can click on the Zoom link that I just posted in the chat room. And uh, again, welcome everybody out there listening on International Shortwave on 7490. You guys, shoot us an email to com at w5kub.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, thanks for being with us. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio and shortwave.
3: Hey, uh Charlie. Yes, uh, I just wanted to let you know I sent you a link in the chat room where you can track uh, the balloons uh, that are flying around Antarctica and uh, one of Tom and uh, got Glenn's call sign on it KW5GP it is uh, went across to Australia and New Zealand and it's heading for uh, Chile and will probably cross Argentina and possibly Uruguay in the next a couple of days, and that uh, that's the farthest north one since they launched them uh, two weeks ago from the uh, uh, Newmeyer Station, a German station in Antarctica. Uh, Tom sent down two payloads, uh, W5KUB-114 and W5KUB-115, and then there's uh, several with the call sign K4UAH dash one through dash seven. So they're all on 20 meter whisper during daylight hours, wherever they are during daylight. And they're being heard on the other side of the world. So they're only 20 milliwatts, but uh, 10 to 20 milliwatts, but they're being heard all over the place. And, uh, but we're having trouble with the 10 meter one because there's not very many stations in the Southern hemisphere Listening on 10 meter whisper. Um, so we've gotten a few reports uh, in the Canary Islands and in California, uh, but in uh, New Zealand. But we really, really could use some more uh, 10 meter people listening on 10 meter uh, uh, whisper mode. And you can download the Whisper app. Uh, it's for a free download for the whisper. It's WS. Jt X, I'll I'll try and
6: post. Yeah online. yeah yeah. I I have I have the software of course. Okay. Uh, uh, for for digital modes, I when I when I use digital modes FT8, I do it with a QRP Labs uh, hardware thing, little five <laughs> thing. But that plugs directly as a as a sound card into the computer. So so it's like I don't have to connect uh, the the equipment. So, but but I'll I'll grab a a USB um, sound card and I'll connect it to the. I have it here my. So we've got the Linko the Linko HF uh, yeah. rig I'll, and I'll and I'll. Connected uh, to the ten meter whisper. What, what frequency is the ten meter whisper? Well, the the software will have the frequency there. Yeah, the, the whisper will. It's twenty
3: eight point one two four point six. Oh yeah. Upper sideband. Okay. But it, it'll show
6: you that on the whisper. Uh, yeah, program. automatically. Yes. Yes. So no no problem. So yeah. so
0: we've got two other balloons in the air that we didn't we haven't really given you an update on tonight. Uh, one over uh, Venezuela right now. That's uh 113. That's actually running 100 milliwatts. We've got a 100 milliwatt PA on that one, and it's running 100 milliwatts. And then the one over here off of uh, Japan, it's actually gone up into the. It, it's actually gone up into the Arctic again, past uh, Alaska. This is about the third time that uh, it has ducked into the darkness. It stays up there for about a week at a time, and then it'll pop out. Uh, but it's been flying now for 182 days. So uh, we're, we're doing really, really well on that one. Let's see if I can find, let's see. You go to our website, the two in Antarctica have been flying for um, 27 days. What am I, what am I, oh, oh wait a minute. Let me uh, shrink that a little bit so you can see it.
6: There so, go. So, Bill, there's your friend. Uh, I follow him on Twitter, uh, Ignacio uh, Lima Uniform One Echo Sierra Junkie. Uh-huh. He, he keeps on posting the status of, of, of various balloons. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. this
0: one, these two here that were launched in Antarctica have been up 27 days and 21. And if you come on down on our page, you'll see, you'll see uh, uh, W5KB112 and 113, and they are there. You go 185 days and 68 days. Right. So they, you know, they're doing really well. Uh, but the one doing 185 days, he likes to disappear. I got to try to keep him from going up into the Arctic. Uh, this will be the third trip up there. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know.
3: There's no sun up there right now.
0: Yep, no sun for sure. Uh, but you can see look at the path this guy's taking here. I don't know if you I don't know how well you can see that. Uh, let's see.
3: And your, one, your 115, Tom, went right down almost to the South Pole. It came within about, I don't know, 50 miles of the South
0: really? Pole. Really? Well, I was watching it. It's really hard to for me to figure out exactly how many miles. I, I, I thought it was within the about, map, a couple,
3: about 200 miles. The bottoms when out on the and aprs yeah. Anything uh, below 88 degrees south, it... Uh, Stops reporting
0: uh, oh, really? on the map. Well, I think I saw See? it at 88 once. Yeah.
3: And it actually says uh, uh, latitude error. <laughs> oh. <laughs> really? it's still, it still collects the data, but it's it doesn't display it on the map because it's off the map for them. The only one that works is the original tracker.habhub.org site. Yeah. That shows the correct when it's below 88 degrees uh, latitude. But you had uh, 115 just a couple of days ago, came very close to the South Pole.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting down here, uh, any direction you go is north, just about. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's weird, man. It's weird. All right. If you would so like that'd be to... That would be something interesting
3: yeah. to listen for, Charlie. Particularly the 10 meter one because we just don't have many stations in the southern hemisphere listening on 10 meter whisper. And when 10 meters is open, it's open to the world. Okay. You'll see a, you'll see a lot of stations from the northern hemisphere on 10.
6: Yeah, meters. Th- that's the reason. why well, I posted it on the chat uh, that that I've just finished connecting my my 10 meter uh, antenna, which is. Uh, it's just the driver element of a of a of a three element uh, three band antenna, but at least it's something. <laughs> From nothing to that, it's something. Uh, so, so I I've installed the the rotator too, which is, I think it's useless in an antenna with no with no uh, reflector or no radiator. Uh, sorry. Uh, director right um, but I use it to rotate it only 90 degrees hey guys we, uh,
0: we uh, had offered a certificate if you copied 112 on uh, whisper uh, for our 180 day celebration that week you got a certificate well it was hiding it was hiding in the dark during that time it came out for one day. And we have one person, certificate number one there, uh, N4MXZ, uh, I copied it. So he, he gets a certificate there with uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and we will get that person autographed as soon as they come back
6: down. You, you expected to issue 100,000 certificates. Uh, do what? You expected to issue 100,000 certificates that how many zeros we have? Is, 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 that, is that how many zeros we have down
0: there? Like
6: four zeros and a one.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. Well, I we, well, I tell you, on some previous flights, uh, we had a lot of people that uh, that got certificates. Believe me, okay. uh, I was spending right. a lot of time printing them up here. So I don't know, maybe I need to extend that window again when 112 comes back out of hiding. Maybe I need to open that window up again because I only had a one-week window that if you copied it in that one week, you could get the certificate, and it only came out for one day, and then it went back. Yeah, I don't know. All right, what else is going on? Hey, guys, if you will, hey, call us on the phone. If you don't like to get on Zoom, dial that phone number, 716-427-1083. Put in the code number, 407051, pound sign, and join us on the show. Oh, I think I heard the music quit, so, no, Music's still playing, so we don't have anybody yet. Nobody. I had to call in last week myself just so we'd have somebody on the phone.
6: I remember the the first couple of times I, I used to phone in I sometimes uh, lately I sometimes uh, don't don't uh, get into the into the here into the uh, chat because we are having the the, the club uh, meetings uh, on Tuesdays so uh, I, I, I arrive late and then I don't turn on the computer and yeah and don't connect. But,
0: okay. Hey, uh, Bill, yeah. when is, uh, when is Todd coming back? Uh, he was supposed to be there, what, one month? You know, Bill, if he's on his way back?
3: I believe he's leaving tomorrow.
0: Okay. Oh, wow.
3: So, um, we got all the balloons launched. There was only one failure. Uh, one collected ice and came back down slowly. Um. Uh, the one that's heading for uh uh Chile, Argentina and possibly Uruguay is uh K four UAH two and on uh Whisper, on twenty meter Whisper, it's kilowatt mic for uh Lima Victor Charlie. Okay. So um we post them to the APRS maps uh with the different call signs. So but there's actually no transmission on APRS. There is one, however, that is flying down there. That very first flight they took off is K4UAH-3, and that is strictly on two-meter APRS. Mm-hmm. So it may eventually get far enough north to be heard either in australia new zealand or uh, argentina uruguay on the uh, aprs frequencies
6: so, what frequency uh, which frequency because we have different frequencies
3: uh i geofence every country every region and where when it's over that region it switches uh, That's great. argentina is 144 93 two. Uh, yeah. Uh Uruguay is also
6: 93? Yes. I I, I, I yes, it's the same as uh, the
3: I included Uruguay with Argentina as far as my geofence. Yes. So when it detects that it's over uh your uh, Argentina or Uruguay, it will flip the frequency its frequency agile so it goes to 14493 now. Uh Santiago, Chile. Chile is 14439, which is what we use here in the United States. So there's like 10 different frequencies around the world, and I have to flip it wherever I am in the world with the payload. Hey, so it's a real pain to program all that. I don't know why everybody just didn't decide, particularly in regions like South America, to stay on one frequency. <laughs> but every country is different.
0: Hey, we've got. Uh,
3: Australia we, and New Zealand are different.
0: We've got uh, someone on Man. the phone. Let me, let's see who's on the phone, real quick. Uh, who, who we have on the phone?
7: KO4RNT, David.
6: Was it. K- Hello, David.
0: Was it KL4RNC? NT,
6: RNC.
0: The Romeo
6: November Tango
0: as yeah. far as I know. Well what what's the prefix? K D kilo Oscar K O okay okay kilo, I got gotcha. you I got gotcha.
7: you November Tango All
0: right how you doing David man Glad you called in Not bad
7: I appreciate your thing on uh, scope probes I just got a scope
2: uh, well, what scope uh, did you get Excuse me what scope did you get? A Tektronix.
7: But I, I'd i have to go look at the...
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of, of them out there, a bunch of them. But, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a Tektronix, to me, a Tektronix is a Tektronix. And uh, 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 you'll enjoy it. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Well, yeah, I'm going to have to find
7: something to look at, too. Yeah? I'm kind of... I'm
0: an old new person. An old new person. Okay. That's good. Always uh, always uh something to learn. You know, you can uh you can use your scope to uh, you can use it as uh you can use it as a voltmeter. You can measure voltage with it, you know. You can look at waveforms and uh you can do all kinds of things with it. Yeah, I use mine to measure yeah. frequency. Yeah.
7: That's what I plan to do as soon as I find something to look at. It's a Tektronix two two one five A.
0: Okay, well okay. I tell you, this one right here is a two two three five. They make they make several in that twenty two hundred range. There's a twenty there's a a twenty two fifteen, a twenty two twenty five. This is what I say this was? A twenty two thirty five? Yeah. This is twenty two thirty-five, I think. Uh so there's several of them in this the, in this category here. Probably looks almost identical to this. Yep. It it uh, sixty m-
7: megahertz.
0: Okay. Well this is a, this is a hundred, but uh the scope's probably about the same same size and looks. All right. Have you got you so, some uh, look, have you look, got you uh, some scope probes to use with it?
7: I got one. I haven't looked at the probe yet. I don't know if it's a, a 1 or a times 10, Uh huh. but I want to get another probe.
0: Well, your probe may yeah, have a little switch. A lot of them anyway. have a little little switch on there you can flip from 1 to times 10. It'd, it'd be right here on a, the handle there, you know, where you hold it. Let me show you. I'll, uh, I'll stick mine up there and show you the one with the switch on it uh so you can see right there. there's a the, there's the one and a times ten can't get a good, good focus on it but uh, there it is right there Yeah. I see you got the good probe yeah well I've got some tectronic probes I've got a bunch of different probes in fact I've got a whole drawer full of them over there. I need to. Uh, I was playing with them the other day and calibrating each of them on the scope, and uh, uh, they all calibrate kind of differently. This Tektronix here, actually, it doesn't have the little screw in the bottom like like that one does. This one, you loosen the, um, yeah, this on this one, you loosen the handle a little bit, and then you 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 turn it. You you turn it inside here and then you tighten you tighten the handle back down on this one. That's how you calibrate that that uh, probe right there. I'm anxious to play with this hundred uh, this hundred uh, bill and see how how it acts. Um, oh yeah, this has a
7: switch, so it is at times one times ten.
0: Yeah. So you you got the switch on yours, right? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Now you don't need. You only need that one probe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, see, we we found out something. We learned something tonight <laughs> for you calling in. Look at that, man! It saved you ordering another probe. <laughs> yeah.
7: Now I just I, need to I, find I, something. Yeah. It would be, uh, I'm thinking I should go to eBay and find some old radios or something to try and work on.
0: Well, you know, get, uh, you know, you might want to just play and look at wave patterns and different things. Get you a little cheapy signal generator, that, a little RF generator that, you know, has a dial on it, you can change the frequency, and look at it there and learn how to dial it in on your scope. Uh, get you an audio generator or, or make you an audio oscillator. Take you something like a little NE555 and a few resistors and a pot, and you can actually make you a, uh, an audio generator that covers a, a pretty good range, and that would be really a lot of fun to uh, uh, to look at on your scope. And when you're not using it for uh, an audio generator, uh, plug you a key into it and make it a code practice oscillator. Uh,
7: yeah, I do need one of those.
3: They used to have a chip called like the 8038 was a uh, waveform generator that yeah. had triangle waves, square waves, sine waves.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you
3: can carry it over the entire audio range up to maybe about 100 kilohertz
0: they actually
2: was, have a was, uh, the xr
6: 2211 and 2206 uh-huh. modulator and demodulator or something like that right
3: mm-hmm. yep right now i just was, used one of those the 2211 was the demodulator
2: yeah i used that in uh-huh. my
3: um i think it's the 2206 was the
6: uh yes uh, and they used to be very rare to find
3: yeah.
6: Uh, but now I think they're clones Chinese clones because they're mm-hmm. They're they're back again
2: Yeah, I don't I'm know. able to get them uh, I use that in my ready decoder In my, one of my projects And mm-hmm. the, uh, there's yeah. a uh, I think it's the uh, AD8034 If I'm not mistaken Does the three waveforms The triangle, square, and uh, Sine waves And it does it up to You know,
3: 30 meg or higher, I think. Very cool. Uh, Charlie, uh, I did a prediction on the one balloon that's out there west of Chile. It'll be flying uh, just south of Uruguay in uh, two days from now. Okay. So you have two days to get things all hooked up, but that (laughs) one will be on 20 meters.
6: That's on 20 meters.
3: Okay. 20 meter whisper, yeah.
6: But Fernando, no, Ignacio
3: is after those in 20 meters, Yeah, his is on 20, and he's got uh, one or two flying around right now. If you go to that site, I sent you the link in the chat, the Org, and you click on K4UAH-2, and then there's a link that says Float in the window on the left, you click on the float button, it'll show you the predicted flight path for that particular oh. balloon.
6: I saw a dash two here.
3: Yeah, and you click on float and float. it will show you that it goes right across to Argentina, south of Uruguay. Right?
6: Okay, I press float and, oh yes, there it goes. Oh, okay, okay, the prediction, yes.
3: And you click on each of the dots, it'll tell you the date and time of each of the dots.
6: Like makes
3: a, like a cone, right, for the prediction. Yeah, every every dot is every six hours, I think.
6: Okay, so, so it'll go yes.
3: But that's the prediction for where it's going to fly next, and you can do that to any of the balloons that have that float button on it. Uh, Tom's balloon uh, with uh, Glenn is the. Uh, you turn that. You had to turn that float button off, but. If you go to W five KUB one one four, then you can do the same thing for that one and see uh, see where it's going next. Well,
0: we need to break out of the South America. I mean, uh, the, the South Southern Hemisphere, and yeah. uh, as as you were saying earlier, Bill, we were getting very close to the South Pole, but. Uh, Man, we, not, we got to get up north a little bit. I, we need to start flying around a little higher up there. Uh I'm trying to think we're... Uh... They keep trying. Yeah, they keep trying, but they just don't seem to...
6: But, definitely, uh, 115, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, they're still pretty low.
3: 114, but... I just did the prediction for 114 and 114 is also heading for argentina
6: that's yeah, glenn's well. call
3: sign kw five. the only
6: one which is a bit uh complicated is 115 maybe which is which will go will go over over antarctica
3: right right so it, it's been a fascinating study so far
2: yeah i'd like to see what todd has to say about all of this this as far as what he's getting in terms
0: of data well we'll have him on the show here when he gets back and settle down and
3: he has plotted it on a uh uh polar map and so it makes a lot more sense to watch it from a polar view than this mercator map projection
0: yeah well there are not a whole lot of landmarks down
6: here yeah well 114 will make a nice ride before getting but then we we, will get to a nice a nice level there, uh, mid mid uh, way in Argentina. Yeah. So right now, I
0: don't. Know, well, it's dark there right now. These are gonna, these one fourteen and one thirteen. Actually,
2: it's not dark there right now because well, wait, this is one the time four, of year
0: works. I think one fifteen is in the dark.
2: No, there's no dark in this time of year.
0: Yeah, but you see where 115 is looking.
2: Well, wow. he's a little further north. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What
6: I mean, that in the dark. These balloons are closer to the equator than than you are.
3: <laughs>
6: yeah. Of uh, course. The uh, the 113.
0: I thought it was going to cross the equator uh, this week. It it got down to about two degrees from it, and I thought it was going to cross, but it didn't. Now. Well, it's
3: heading back down again.
0: Is it? My, my, my friend AA6 uh, dy uh, was flying one of one of our uh, groups trackers here and and uh, we've been watching it and it, and it crossed the equator it's been flying in the northern it crossed the equator and it went across I, I think it went across uh, Chile maybe went into Chile
3: I just looked at the uh, prediction, map, Tom, for 113, W5KUB-113, and it shows a possibility of it heading down towards uh, eastern off the coast of Brazil. So this one may actually cross into the southern hemisphere and stay there for a while.
0: Well, the AA-6DY didn't stay below very long. Maybe just a couple days, and then it popped right back up, you know, so... I don't but know. this one
3: looks like it will pop up for a little bit, but it's potential of in and on down to South South America. There was yeah. a German uh, balloon. Uh, it's called NOB. What it is. It's, it started off in uh, Germany months ago, and it crossed. Craw- there it is. It's off the coast of Australia. NOB-14. It's Delta Bravo. I forget what the number is, but. It's a German call sign, and uh, he launched that months ago in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's been floating in the Southern Hemisphere for months now.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So he's hanging out with us all now. <laughs> so, I see, yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Ignacio's flight, LU-1ESY34, is over in New Zealand right now.
0: Yeah.
6: Yeah, and that's
3: 36. Uh, it's over uh, South Africa. I see that. Yeah. So there right. are, I think there are more balloons in the southern hemisphere now than there are in the north. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of a first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're going to go ahead and turn off and terminate the show tonight. Thanks, to everybody out there watching. Uh, glad we had you with us tonight. Be sure and come back next week. and uh, uh, Shoot us an email if you got any ideas or you want to be on the show or you got something you want to talk about. Uh, shoot us an email. Tom um, at W5KUB.com. We'll see you guys next week. 73 to everybody. 73. Let's see. How can I end this? How can I end this? I know. I know. Just end it with, uh, we'll end it with fire and water.
6: Yeah. Control, alt, delete.
0: Fire and water. Let's see. If I can figure out how to do that. One is this. Oh, that's not it. It doesn't seem to be working. Interesting. It doesn't seem to be working. Interesting. Does hand okay. work? It's not even working. He did not want to work. <laughs> yeah, let's see if... Uh...
3: People are going to think you're going to be giving out prizes. Well, no, yeah. he said
0: don't mess with me. He didn't say let's give out a prize. He said don't mess <laughs> with me. Okay, I don't know why it's not running. Uh, I guess my program is starting to get hosed up here. Good night to everybody out there if you're still watching. We'll see you next week. Save me three.